to something else music. Welcome back to... Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back to the... What one's this one? Something Cows Telly and Movies. Today we are joined by my my lovely friend, Bruce. Bruce, tell me about yourself or tell the people about yourself. Well, I'm a guitarist in a band with Ben, actually. So we know each other quite well. So Maybe too well. Maybe too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know all the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> he knows about the, uh, the two wind holes. <laughs> But yeah, so Bruce is uh, the guitarist for, well, I don't want to say my band, it's our band. Um, soon we'll get Damon on the show. Yes. He can teach us about drumming. He's the drummer, by the way. But yeah, today's going to be an interesting one. I was going to say welcome to Tellies and Movies, but it's actually the music podcast, something else music. And today we're going to be looking at synth versus real. Now, Bruce knows my taste. I am massively into... Blues, as I always say, it's not a genre. But I'm massively into blues, old school rock and roll, you know, that sort of thing, which predominantly doesn't have synth, where yourself, you've got a bit of knowledge of bands <laughs> yeah. or stuff that use synth, you know. So really, what I wanted to say is, um, where do you stand with synth versus real? Do you think they can coexist? Do you think that they should have their own, you know, separate kind of genres in a way? Well, I think there is enough space for the two of them, and I think they work well together as well. Mm. I mean, as you can see with the uh, synthwave bands now, they mix yeah. heavy guitar with a lot of synth, and it works, and it's like John Carpenter meets Motley Crue. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, was, it was like my cousin, um, it's Loomis. Oh, sorry, hang on. It's, it's Loomis. 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 You won't hear that now, Bruce, but what I just did was... <laughs> If you look at the waves on that fucking echo shit. Oh. That's what, it's not even an echo, it's just some form of delay. The viewers know. But um, my cousin Sam, or it's Loomis. It's Loomis. It's Loomis. Loomis. <laughs> he, um, he does a lot of producing. He does a lot of, um, I'm just going to call it, I don't want to say synth, but it's, uh, what would you class his music as? Samuel, if you're listening, let me know what it is. But he does a lot of producing for um, artists, so he does a lot of, I'm going to call it computer-based music. You know what I mean? So he programs a lot of stuff. But what we was talking about before was, I just don't have the patience to learn any of that. I'm very much, give me an amp, give me the guitar. I'm sorted. Yeah. But um, when I did his podcast, when I was kind of just interviewing him, really, we was talking about, is it easier? Like, Because typically with the music I listen to, a lot of the guitarists or musicians say, oh, I don't know any music theory. And I was like, well, would you need music theory to use, you know, the the MIDI pads or, you know, the, I don't know, Fruit Loops or whatever it's called. Would you need music theory on that? Like, what do you think regarding that? Can, obviously anyone can make music nowadays. It's a whole lot easier and more accessible. Yeah. But do you think it's easier to make music with real instruments or do you, you know, the comparisons between you? What do you think? Uh, well, you can go back to like, 70s movement where they started using more synth in um those sorts of bands and mm. there was a lot of interviews with them they they say like oh, i didn't have an interest in music because i couldn't pick up a guitar i couldn't pick up a bass i couldn't pick up drums yeah so they went to a shop brought a cheap keyboard learned a few bits mm. and pieces on there and then you've got um 
the synth music of uh, well, the you 70s, look at so. um, I know the Who's a different ball game because Pete Townsend is just like knowledge of music everywhere. But <laughs> uh, Barbara O'Reilly um, won't get fooled again. That had synth in it. Yeah, you know, like the backing tracks. I mean, both of them songs are what six to eight minutes long each, and they both have synth um, keyboard kind of things in. It, and you played it all through. Obviously, now you can just loop it, just like with recordings. To be fair. But it was um, it was only when I was really talking to Samuel, even before the podcast we did, that I realised, you know what, it's actually bloody complicated to use the stuff he does and to program stuff in the sense of uh, when we because we're in that, we're in our lockup. Um, I've probably spoke about this before, but we're now in our lockup. That's why we're sweating like absolute bastards because <laughs> it's soundproof. We've got a lovely skylight above our head, but no ventilation. So we're sweating. So uh, yeah, that's why my my head looks enormously uh, luminous. But um, I was talking to him about some of the mixes I've done. Now, I've sent you some of the tracks because I want to play it in the band. Yeah. And I don't have any real recording equipment. Like I don't have monitors. I don't have. You know, I've got I've got an interface and the mics, obviously. But he showed me a really cool thing. How because you know that one song I sent over drip feed where he's like, I'll put a clip in it. And um, like the bass drum got lost in the bass guitar. And then he yeah. loads up his wizardry on the computer and completely baffled me with what he did. And I was like, what? You know what I mean? But all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. I could hear both bass frequencies and it absolutely amused me because it was, that changed my perspective on how, not synth, because that's not really synth, yeah. but how it worked. And I was like, you know what? That's, it, it's quite a skill really like yeah there is an element of separating the channels in a certain way that it doesn't just sound like everything just coming at you at once mm. like sort of soundscape type yeah. of effect you get I, th- I think it's because like i'm gonna go on to a touchy subject dubstep <laughs> now i hate dubstep for for a couple of reasons because you're old i'm old <laughs> i'm bold and i'm old and I think it was when I listened to it, I liked the sounds that are in it, but it just sound like a Transformer having a really bad solo session. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's just angry sound, but I like how they do the sounds. And when you watch someone make that sound and you think, Jesus. Yeah. But then one of my influences for the guitar, Tom Morello, he literally created those sounds on the guitar first. And I was like, yeah. isn't that synth? You know what I mean? If you yeah. look at that, I know synth means like synthetic instruments. I hope that's what it means. <laughs> I'm going to go with that now. But you know what I mean? It's like, I've always thought like, for me, real instruments are better. You know what I mean? I've all, yeah. I, I, Hands down, I'll always say, give me the, I, I want to feel it. You know what I mean? I want to feel the music in my own hands, naked and all the different story. And then, you, have you ever watched Glenn Fricker on YouTube? No. Is the really angry Canadian. He's a producer. He's awesome. Oh, okay. But he did an interview with a guy that did, I can't remember the album, the Judas Priest album. He, he produced a, a Judas Priest album. And Glenn Fricker, he hates like program drums. He wants a real drummer. And what he didn't know is on this particular album, the drums had samples in them, i.e. it wasn't a real drummer. Yeah. And it blew his mind because he didn't even know. And I was like, oh God, if someone like that dude who's been producing music for like 20 odd years didn't even know that, Am I doomed? I have some of my favorite like musicians been using it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, what's your take on auto tune? 
I don't know much about it to be honest. I know so, pop stars use it. Yeah, but... it was. It, it came out in '98, so it's still relatively young. Yeah. Um, but it's all it does is if you sing, say, slightly flat. Excuse me. You can just put your voice back in the the right note. So, like, say, if you were singing, I don't know, um, D sharp, and it was just supposed to be like D. Yeah. You could program it back down. Or vice versa. I mean, I've seen loads of YouTubers when they just program it. Like they put one note and then just use auto tune. Yeah. But it's I, I like it as an effect. I don't like it as something to enhance. And I think that's where I get really stumped with synth, because it's yeah. like to me, synth is it's like an effect. I I, I don't know. It's really hard to explain it. It's yeah. like, are there any bands you listen to where you think you know what it goes so well? Like, because the only band I can think of at the minute is Ailstorm. <laughs> and he just uses a keytar. <laughs> but it's a synth, I guess. It's a synth. It's not a real keyboard or anything. Yeah, well, that's cool. coming in uh, power metal, isn't it? With, um, <laughs> I remember going to see uh, Dragon Force back in the day. <laughs> like, embarrassing. But um, yeah, they, they had a keytar, man. I'm mm. sure they did at one point. And uh, if you, I think it's more of a... A power fantasy metal kind of yeah. thing, but it's at the same time it's not like that person can't play. They are clearly very talented. Yeah, <laughs> like um, Sonatarotica, and there was another band I used to like that relied heavily on synths, mm. and their keyboard play was like just as fast as the guitarists, yeah. and just as much as a a focal point of the band then as so, the guitarists were. So, so do you think like? synth music are there any genres you think yeah it, it doesn't quite go well because I've always tried I'm always trying to like make links with everything so can you imagine like someone busting out a guitar solo in like a Cannibal Corpse track <laughs> you know what I mean do you I think, think this... it's tailored to specific genres or genres that should have stay away from it yeah probably that side of metal wouldn't sound as good mm. if synthetic effects became more prominent yeah in them. I mean, I'm sure they use them as sometimes bands might use them as as backing, just to like not like not the focal point, but you just like there might be like an effect film. here or yeah. there. Or like something. what Shine Down do in Cut the Chord, that beginning part, isn't it? Is it that one? It sounds like an old answering machine. I don't know. Might oh, just be an old answering machine. It could be. I am old. Um, what was I going to get then? I forgot. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Like the music I listen to is predominantly, say, fifties onwards, yeah. up until say seventy eight, really, because it's it's only been what the last five years have I really stepped out of that comfort zone of mine. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, one of the things I really did notice, and it was since started listening to vinyl again. Pardon me. And I've got the. I did have the ACDC's Highway to Hell album. And I, I might have mentioned this in the It's Loomis one, but I've got the, I had the Highway Towel vinyl, so from 1979. Then I had the CD, which was, I think that it must have been digitally remastered. Then I had the um, MP3, which is digitally remastered. Yeah. And the one thing I noticed, and I think this is why I do find, I don't want to say synth, but modern sounds different, is because it's clean. If that makes yeah. sense. Like if anyone's ever listened to a vinyl, um but I've got one down there. Gojira's new one. It's yeah. fucking delicious. I'm getting quite aroused looking at it. Even though I'm 
so now aware that every time I turn that way and I'm looking at it, it's like I'm looking at your crotch. But um, uh, I think the one thing I noticed with them albums was I had it on vinyl and you can hear all the clicks and the cracks. Yeah. The crackling. But I don't know if it's me, but if you put something like a vinyl on and you close your eyes, it's like you're in the room with them. Yeah. There is a sort of 3D sound to mm. a vinyl that you don't get with more digitized yeah. versions of that. And I think it's because you can hear what was recorded as dumb as that sounds. Even with that one down there, the new Gojira on, it came out this year. But I guarantee I'm going to pull it on and I'm going to hear sounds I would never hear on like on Spotify. And um, one of my favorite songs, uh, Voodoo Child, Slight Return, have to throw that in by Jimi Hendrix. If you listen to it, the very intro of that, when it's just the palm muting, they hit play and they didn't expect him to play that. He just played. Like that whole intro uh, intro where it goes, bow, 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 that was made up. Yeah. he that, that was not in the song. That's why they were just like, wow. And if you hear it, you can hear the um, the snare on the drum vibrating. You can hear the, um, you can just hear the atmosphere. And that's yeah. still, I think that's one of the exceptions now because it's the way it was recorded in a, in a, like a live environment. It wasn't like now where the drummer will go and do his thing. Actually, no, it'll start with the guitarist, wouldn't it? The guitarist, then the bassist, then the drummer, then the singer. Uh, the way that album was done, it was all at once. So there's yeah. bleed from different instruments. There's you can hear everything, and I think that's what really changed. That that's what I'm still getting my head around with modern music. Not necessarily synth, but modern is it's too clean. Yeah, it, it sound it sounds synthetic. Like when you hear a drum and it's just so clean and sharp, and you're like, it sounds nice, but I I, I don't know. And yeah. I, that's where I get really stumped with it. And I, I, I don't know what your take on it. Do you think it's... Well, there is... Like, I did see um, another channel talking about this matter on more hardcore and the death metal mm. stuff. Mm. And he says if you listen to 80s where it was um, taken in a one take and it was just... Yeah. Just no, there's no programming of drums. There's no extra bits and pieces they mm. could add on. They just put some microphones on a kit... And you could hear the the drummer playing. You could tell it was a real drummer because it didn't have the. It wasn't mad. It was like something that you would expect a drummer to be able Maybe to handle at the time. But, oh. Hang on. And uh, yeah, but whereas in the nineties when it became more digitized, they could sample the drums. So they so you get these like mad drum bits that mm. a drummer couldn't physically play from yeah. start to finish because they're the power and the energy behind it obviously you can't replicate that realistically when, so I, I love black sabbath I, I met tony iomi i shook the hand of god fuck you maradona joking joking but um the one thing i really <laughs> the one thing isn't it that <laughs> the one thing i really liked was their first four albums you could tell they were in a room live yeah, yeah, you can hear the bleed. You can hear something silly like Tony Iommi's fake fingertip sliding on the guitar. Yeah. Then after the fourth album, it went typical one at a time. Whereas in the last album, thirteen, you can tell it was live because yeah. hang on, I think it's Damaged Soul. There's a part where Tony Iommi's playing a guitar solo, and literally it it sounds like he's cocked up. Yeah. And I love it <laughs> because it sounds real. 
But yeah, yeah. modern music now, you can tell there's compressors, limiters, this, that, this, that. He probably has only played one note at a time to make that solo. You know what I mean? But mm. what we're going to do now, we are going to do this new segment I created before. Oh, I've got a fantastic t- story to say after this shout out. It's about why I haven't done any of these bloody podcasts. But we'll um, be right back and we'll see you in a minute. So today's shout out, it's going to be one that means a lot to me and probably my man Bruce. We're shouting out Rabanas, which is the studio we're in today at Lockup. He offers literally everything, including a good time. Uh, dancing, rehearsals for music, rentals for gigs, gear, you name it, he does it. He has, what's that, a new cymbal shop for the drummers now? Yep. He has pedals galore, so if you're a pedal nut like me, it's perfect. But yeah, I just want to say thanks, Rob, because without you, I would have never joined my first band, which, funny enough, was with Bruce. I would never have stayed on this journey with Bruce. <laughs> I wouldn't be sweating right now if it wasn't for Bruce. I mean, for the, for the <laughs> how hot the studio is. But yeah, today's shout-out <laughs> is for Rob. He does one of the best jobs in Birmingham. If you ever need a rehearsal room and you're in the area, come to Cliveland Street, find Rabanners. He is the best. That ends it for this shout-out. Thanks. So, welcome back to the second part of this podcast. Um, what I was going to say before the shout-out was the reason why I haven't been here doing podcasts for a while is because I had a head injury. Yes, believe it or not. And I'm standing th- while sitting this close to a symbol. Um, basically, I hit my head at work, had a moderate concussion. Don't remember. I remember hitting my head, throwing up. I remember being at the hospital. Then I don't remember anything else. That happened on a Tuesday. I don't remember Wednesday. I just about remember Thursday. And for some reason, I don't remember the Saturday that came along too. But yeah, that's why I've not been here. But enough about me. What we're going to do now is talk about um, reliability between real and synth. And we're going to talk about, if I can remember what it was, which I clearly can't. Don't drop that. We're going to talk about. Can I just say your recollection of the head injury went a little bit Craig David then? I had a head injury on a Tuesday. (laughs) I don't remember (laughs) Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I woke up all right Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, but well, you know, I would like to say uh, any uh, royalties from that Craig David come send my way. Um, so we're going to we talk about reliability between real and synth, and we're going to look at the skill set for each one. And then we're going to end it with, I mentioned this earlier briefly, but the feeling of each, not in the sense of touching, but like, you know, when you feel the music, cliche stuff. Yeah. So we'll start with a skill set. Now, me and Samuel had a a conversation about this. It's Loomis. Um, Whenever I mention Samuel, it's Loomis. That's what I do. I just shout that just because, oh, I didn't do it properly. It's Loomis. 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 Sensual. So, obviously, with playing an instrument, unless you are one of them very few that are, like, crazily natural at playing an instrument, you do need some music theory. I don't care who you are, whatever you're playing, you've got music theory, whether it's a lot or a little. Um, Steve Harris in Iron Maiden says he doesn't really know any music theory to bass. He has to, you know what I mean? Granted, the bass he does is generally just root notes. There's no real... I don't want to say technicality to it because he's full of technical ability, but you get my point. So 
where do you sit with skill set for both? Do you think one has more skill than the other? Do you think one's easier to learn? What would you say? Because you do quite a bit of like noodling on the keyboards and stuff. Yeah, I've done uh, programming in the past. Getting back into it now, actually doing some sort of like synth atmospheric stuff, horror based, sound mm. very 80s. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say the as someone whose primary instrument was the guitar, I'd say there is I would be more biased towards the skills that a guitarist or a bassist or a drummer has because I think that that physicality to mm. learn muscle movements and patterns on guitar. You know, I never thought about that. I've always thought about the theory side of it and how things yeah. work. I've never really thought about the physicality of it. Yeah, because it like because if you get someone who's these composers that are making music like well into their older years like mm. they they just they don't stop do they because why yeah. should they they sat in front of a computer they're programming stuff they, mm. there's probably some live elements in there but they probably get musicians session musicians in to do that sort of things yeah. but if you think like your favorite guys black sabbath they're uh mm. They're in their seventies now, and they they still <laughs> still hitting the stage, still rocking. Unlike Vince Neil, <laughs> well, let's not go to Vince Neil territory. <laughs> oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> but but that, I think that's I've, like I said, I've never really thought about that aspect of it. Really, like it is muscle memory. Like I remember in Nishi and Soma, the other two bands we was in. Um, my general input to music it's either doom metal or blues, essentially. And um, some of the stuff I do is just natural to me because it's my muscle memory where yeah. like um, Thorn, that was originally all hammer-ons. Yeah. So a hammer-on, if no one's a guitarist or anything, it's just when you hit the string and bounce your finger off like a hammer-on. So you're hitting the string and bouncing off. And I do that just because it's what Hendrix used to do, what Tony Iommi used to do. But when it was time to play it... um particularly Jim, he, he obviously on a bass, it's a bit difficult. Jim is our bass player. And that is, it is difficult to do hammer-ons on a bass depending on your strings, but it, it wasn't natural to him. Yeah. And it's like, I've never really thought about the physicality of that side of it, really. I mean, predominantly with synth, you are just kind of programming, really. You, you have the synth pads where you get like the little luminous flashing squares. Yeah. But it doesn't take that much effort to go, you know what I mean? Yeah. Tap tap dj but it's it's just one of them ones i've never really thought about that aspect so so obviously you said yourself you're biased to that real instruments have more skill set yeah i do believe that yeah I, I would definitely say on a physicality yes but then after watching i'm gonna try not to do but after watching samuel it's loomis do his work on his on his gear that sounds so sexual but after watching him do programming and just manipulating sound patterns and waves and all this stuff, it blew my mind. Yeah. Like, I think he said in, in lockdown, like six months, he'd learn how to do mastering and everything. I was like, dude, I've been playing guitar since I was 14. I still can't, like, do scales. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, I think it's down to the dedication in the end. But I think you don't really need... With what he does, it's it's all about manipulation. What does this do? What does that effect do? Yeah. What happens if I do this? It's quite a lot of, I guess, like guitar. It's a lot of experimenting. And um, I, I do think it drains you mentally more doing stuff like that, like the, the synth yeah. side of it. 
but the end goal it's like oh my god i've made you know i've spent four hours making this like really quick you know what i mean yeah and you know if that's that's your thing that's your thing and it's i don't know it's, it's a weird one because i've I am very biased. I do like real instruments, but the more I look at synth and how it works, the more I'm kind of like, you know what? It's not just a toy. It's 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 real, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because um, I couldn't do half the stuff that not just what Samuel does, it's Loomis. Not just what he does, but what other people do. I can't do that. I will never do that. I can't program drums for a start. Anything <laughs> I send over to the band, it's just like, it's ACDC is what I'm sending, the drum beats, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, luckily, you primarily work in 4-4, four, four, so yeah. it's really easy to program for. Oh, I've tried. You know, can you... Has, do you know if there's any, like, synth bands that have, like, done any other time signatures? Um, like, because... That's a seagull, if you could hear that. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm just I don't thinking, know, because like, I think synth... If you're going into, like, the world of synth music especially like synthwave stuff or mm. pop music that uses synth. It's very like that driving bump, bump, bump. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, it's just a drive beat. force, isn't it? But it's something like Dream Theater. Yeah, that's like that, six, eight. Yeah, they do some crazy <laughs> shit, but it's so atmospherical. Yeah. Um, but that's one thing. I mean, I'll get onto the next topic, but that's one thing I do like about synth is because the sounds are very different to what you'd normally hear. Like predominantly, I'm just hearing overdriven guitars and big, loud, banging drums, that's it. But if I listen to something like Waxfang, we were speaking about this the other day. Yeah. Now, I don't know what you'd class them as, to be fair, but they have some beautiful kind of... Sometimes they use synth, sometimes it's just really good. You know, like the e-bow on the guitars, like the electric bow. Oh, yeah. just resonates the string, so you don't have to keep uh, picking it. It's it's kind of like that, that, the way they create their music anyway. And it is really kind of like, oh, freaking hell. Like, I like it where it's really kind of, like, almost classical sounding. Yeah. And I think what, like, I, I only know one dubstep dude that's Skrillex, and I hate him. <laughs> it, it, I just, I can't look at him. Nothing against him, just don't like it. But, like, the sounds he created, that's amazing, and he's always got them then. But then I think it's, what else can you do with it? You know what I mean? That's mm. where I think the skill set runs out. Maybe it's... You've done so much with like your weird, wow, what can you do? Mm. Whereas like a real instrument, you can just keep on going. There's always, you can always change something on it. You know what I mean? Like for instance, if I wanted a different sound, I could change my strings. If I wanted a bit more aggression, I could probably change the tube. I don't know what I'm putting over there, the amps here. I could change the tube in the amp, that sort of thing. Yeah. But whereas, say for, for instance, we use, what do we use? Like Fruity Loops or something like that? Yeah, I've used that. Yeah, and I found, I I don't even know what one I'm using now, but I've got a file from back in the day and I can't use it because it's old. (laughs) And I was like, the fuck's wrong with that then? It's the same program. There's nothing different, but I can't use it unless I have, I I find a bloody version of that one. But we'll move on because this kind of fits into reliability. Okay. Now, I've been very fortunate, touch wood, to have never broke a string on stage. Now, I've almost <laughs> broke my hand many times in our early days of gigging. Um, I've done my back in. I've hurt my knee. Um, I blew up an amp, but I've never broke a string. So I can say from my experience, it can be temperamental. <laughs> I mean, have you got any stories of like when gear's completely destroyed on you? Um, 
I have broke a string probably on a few occasions. And then in an instant you have to go, oh, I was going to play that bit on that string. It's now gone. So <laughs> I need to work out how to play it on a different string slightly differently. <laughs> and you're there on stage and you do have a bit of panic. Trying moment. to work it out like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And there was once where I was halfway through a song, I realized I couldn't hear myself and looked at the amp, looked at my guitar, oh, everything's right. What's wrong? Spent about three minutes working out what was going wrong. And then I looked down and realized that our singer at the time had stood on my lead and oh. it just pinged it out of my guitar and I'd not noticed. Remember, it, this was, it's not open anymore, but the flapper and firkin. Do you remember when we did? That's still open apparently. Is it? Yep. Someone was there the other week, said it's still open. No signs of shutting. So. I think there's still the same thing because the last thing I heard, it was going to be like some stupid fucking cafe or some shit like that for hipsters. <laughs> nah. Oh, wow. I know there's a different story every week but or every month or so, but nah. I'll ask me, open. mate. Um, but th- this venue, the Flapper and Firkin, is brilliant. It's like where I played like my second ever gig. And um, we was on stage and it, it, it's like, it used to be where the like canal boats used to come through and deliver then though, because where you play, mm. it's like it, it's got, like the old tunnel roof because you play underground. And um, there was an aircon machine right above me. And I put my hand straight through it. It was one of those moments in the gig where it's like getting crowd participation. I was like, do the fist bump and I just put my hand straight into the air. And I was like, fuck, that hurt. <laughs> but the second time we played that gig, I started the song. And I was like, I can't hear Bruce. I'm looking around and you're fiddling with the dance. Like, what the fuck? Only to realize <laughs> the other band had unplugged your amp. <laughs> do you remember that? Oh, yeah. There was that one as well. <laughs> I was just like, the fuck? They, they unplugged it and they didn't even plug it back in. All the time, Jim's uh, string broke. And instead of trying to work out how to play the he song, got a different thrust that he son just of a start, bitch he just in the started air. like. Th- he was just like, yeah, like, fucking. Uh, oh, base, it's, it's like yeah. watching a, a, a Viking in training. That's what it was. <laughs> but then, then I've got to say, I've seen loads of videos of this next part. Um, there's a guy called Dead Mouse. I I can't tell you what he. I know he does like DJing and stuff. He has basically a big ass Mickey Mouse kind of face, and he um he was doing a gig. And he's got like screens around his booth, so you can see like all fancy patterns, kind of like yeah. Windows bloody screensavers. And his laptop goes off, and it just comes up with that classic "didum" error. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that entire gig had gone because his laptop had broke. Oh, you know what I mean? And then I've seen it before where someone—it's it, that—it's on Facebook all the time, like nightclub fails, and you're like, oh, they're not really fails; they're just really bad events. And this woman's talking to the DJ like, I want this song and a beer goes everywhere. And literally, you just see smoke come out of his desk. <laughs> Straight away, the gig's gone. I was like, at least if your string broke, you can still play. Yeah. Now if the, For instance, I'm the singer and the um, vocalist and bassist now. If my bass breaks, I can still sing. If the microphone goes, I can still play bass. Or mm. shout really loud. Drummers generally don't really have a problem. Although Andy put a, a bass drum through once, didn't they? Twice. Yeah, oh, twice. twice. I think I've still got the video of that. That's <laughs> epic. But you know what I mean? It's like... But if a, if a, a piece of equipment goes, it, it fucks up that song, but it won't mess up the rest of the night because yeah. there's other... You can borrow an amp off another band. You but that's what happened to Jim. The guy came out with these, an, another bass guitar. Yeah. But then, you know, say if, I don't know, Skrillex's laptop goes, I can't say, oh, here you go, mate. Here's me Asus. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry, I only use HP. 
it don't work, especially if you're a, a Mac user. Oh, here's here's my Windows. Get it away. <laughs> I don't want that vileness. And I, I was just thinking about that the other day as well when I was like planning for this one. Like, if you really look at it, there's no there's no straight line, is there? You can't put no. it down the middle. They're both two different things that do the same thing. <laughs> Weird. And I, that's where I start. I think I grow more appreciation to it. So I've been trying to listen to different styles of music just to give me more what knowledge of synth and i can yeah. say i don't like it unless it's used properly <laughs> then i guess it's it's down to preference isn't it really pardon me have you ever done any gigs with someone that's used like um i, I, I just say synth because it's the <laughs> word i'm looking for um, have you done any gigs or used it yourself in gigs well I was for years. I was in the industrial band, and mm. we hadn't got a drummer, so we had like a little box of our effects. Uh, well, effects, basically the backing, whole backing track of a song. Oh wow! So if and apparently, if you press the two, you've got to press two buttons to make it not only start playing the backing track, but also playing the drums at the same time. Uh, but apparently, if you mess that up, it would just wipe the whole thing. So. So that unreliability of the synth element could just completely go. Oh, saying that, have you ever seen the gigs where um, like the backing track started, but someone else hasn't come in in time, so they have to do it all again? Them videos are brilliant. Actually, I've had a real-world experience of, of someone going through that problem. When I was at Bloodstock years and years ago, now this was, Devin Townsend was headlining. Mm. I, know, I wasn't really aware of him at the time, but my mate, dragged me to see him and yeah. that's when I thought oh he's actually got some uh, actually started to enjoy it but he was having loads of trouble with his backing track and because of that it, he was on stage and he was luckily he's a very charismatic bloke so he yeah. was just chatting to the audience and saying oh everything's going to shit back there and, <laughs> and just and the audience loved it, all the that I and saw, everything um, so it, it worked out in the end but. I saw Bumblefoot at the guitar show yeah um, he was a guitarist for uh, Guns N' Roses for a while and he had his little iPod connected to like the PA. And every time he hit pause, it would play. It would hit play and then it would pause. He was like, what the hell, man? And it's just because it wasn't plugged in properly. Yeah. No, it's crazy. But yeah, I think we can determine that it's synth compared to real. It's two different things. You can't really say one's better, one's worse. So you can't, you can't yeah. really split it that way. But I think it's, I will always say it's how you use it. Like um, with guitar or any instrument, it's how you use it that makes it what it for what it is really like i could use a, i do use a guitar very differently to you i play drums very different to damon and mm. i think it's like with synth i'd make something very different to what samuel it's loomis would make you know what i mean yeah but i think it's pretty cool maybe we should do a song with some synth maybe we should just get it's loomis in there yes we I'm have thinking. run the idea around he, before we so very much up for it yeah. and what we're going to do after this podcast is actually jam some stuff out so i think we shouldn't uh, shouldn't drag it out any longer. No. I think we're gonna say bye. We're gonna cool off a bit because we are freaking roasting in here, and we're gonna play some sweet music. So until next time, have a good one. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Bruce, for joining me on this one. Thanks for having me. No worries, my man. Have fun. See you soon. Bye. Mm-hmm.